Welcome to the Cover 2 Resources podcast series, a podcast series about addiction and addiction education. My name is Amy McNeil. I lost my brother Samuel to a heroin overdose on October 23, 2015. He was 28. As a family, we thought we were prepared to help Sam fight addiction, but we were painfully mistaken. My family founded Cover 2 Resources in memory of Sam. Our mission is to arm others with the knowledge needed to best support a loved one struggling with opioid addiction. The Cover 2 Resources podcast is an ongoing series in which we interview experts in the fight against opioid addiction. It is made possible through donations and sponsorships from concerned individuals or organizations. If you want to help in the fight against opioid addiction, please consider donating or sponsoring the Cover 2 podcast. Go to cover2.org for more information. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Music, Stitcher, and via RSS feed. Simply search for the full name, Cover 2 Resources, on your platform of choice. Thank you for listening. In October 2016, we paid a return visit to the Needle Exchange Truck in Cuyahoga County to interview some of their clients and learn the reality of their day-to-day lives. You'll hear from Rick and Ray, who are 63 and 58 years old, respectively, and then we'll talk with Danny, a 28-year-old father of a two-year-old. The chaotic, increasingly isolated world of these three gentlemen becomes clear as our interview progresses. Hi, this is Greg McNeil, founder of Cover 2 Resources, and I'm here on the needle exchange truck. This is a couple of Chico and Rogers clients that uh, I'm with. Now we're in a conference room in the uh, adjacent building to where the truck is set up today. And these two gentlemen just joined us here. It's late morning, about 11.50 or so. And gentlemen, hello. Hello. How are you doing? Good morning. And what is your name again? My name is Greg. Greg Greg McNeil. And Rick. Rick Cast. Rick, nice to meet you. And you're also a Cubs fan, I notice. You're wearing your Cubs hat. Sammy Sosa. Sammy Sosa. Okay. That's a Sammy Sosa. Yeah, right. I see the autograph now. Okay. It's a little dirty, but. Yeah, that's all right. Broken in, right? Yeah, right. Um, And. My name's Ray. Ray. Okay. Really nice to meet you both. Nice to meet you. Yeah. So the purpose of this is is to kind of tell your stories and tell, a, a, you know, my thought was a little bit about a day in your lives and share that with some of our listeners. Uh, but I'm sure both of you have your own stories and things that you'd like to tell and impart on other people. Yeah, I, I have a lot to say, but um, a day in my life, I don't know if... Uh, this is about the same as everybody else because I'm more or less at the tail end of. Uh, How old are you? Stuff. I'm 63. 63. Just 63. How long have you been using? Uh, I've been using drugs all my life since I was uh, approximately 14. Wow. Have you ever tried to kick it? Oh, I tried to kick it so many times I couldn't tell you how many. Hmm. Um, what happened? And I've tried uh, rehabs. I tried any kind of way that you could think of getting off of this stuff, I've tried. I went to jail and detoxed. I ruined my life 
because of it because uh, when I was in my uh, full-blown addiction I was going out and stealing everything that wasn't tied down and uh, I was hitting all the stores I was hitting you know I didn't do home robberies or anything like that I more or less <laughs> if you want to say I had a code of how uh, I operated. Code of ethics code or an honor code, maybe? I didn't go and uh, take some lady's purse. I didn't go and rob someone's house, you know, or stick somebody up with a gun. Yeah, um, yeah uh, wow, when I was in my full-blown addiction, it was terrible, man. I, I, I was doing crack, too, at that time. Mm. I was smoking crack. So... For our, um, for our benefit, tell us how you define full-blown addiction versus today. Where are you today? Well, today, I might uh, just do like a, 10, a $10 or $20, and that's good for the whole day. The whole day. I'm, uh, I just got a couple of Suboxone strips, and uh, I got them yesterday, and I was going to do start the Suboxone detox you know, to get off of the heroin, mm -hmm. do a, a, like a quarter of a strip and detox on that. <clears throat> but I uh, I still had some dope left from yesterday, so I did that. So hopefully tomorrow I start uh, with the Suboxone and to get off because it, it takes away uh, some of the pain, you know. Yeah. Uh, and you don't... Uh, let me just say it outright. You don't shit yourself. Uh, you're not throwing up. You know, stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Ray? Uh, how you doing? My name's Ray. Uh, how old I'm, are you, Ray? I'm 58. Um, I started using heroin uh, back in 2001. I started snorting with a friend and uh, went from snorting to shooting it. And uh, I burned a lot of bridges because of it with my family, my job and friends. Uh, it's a dead end. Uh, the, the money aspect of it's phenomenal. You know, two, three hundred dollars a week, my whole paycheck sometimes. And what do you um, do, Ray? Work for an auto recovery company. Okay. And I'm a repo man, but uh, uh, I burned a lot of bridges. Uh, Using any kind of drug is uh, nothing but a dead end. Um, uh, by the grace of God, I haven't, I haven't overdosed and died. Uh, uh, I started smoking. It went from marijuana when I was 18 to alcohol, the cocaine, the painkiller, and heroin. And uh, I've been in rehab before. Um, I guess I wasn't doing the right thing in rehab. I've been there probably a half a dozen different times. Uh, I'm thinking about going back. It's kind of hard to do this on your own to stop. Uh, I think it's and, possible. Yeah, I mean. I, so have, have you both talked to uh, Chico in terms of all the resources that they can help you with? Um, yeah, I, I've been doing this for a long time. I know where to go, yeah, but okay. I don't, I don't want to go through any detox pro, uh, programs and then go to a rehab. I'm done with the rehab. I'm not, I'm not ever going back to a rehab. So what are you going to do? I'm going to uh, split that Suboxone up to 
in force and I'm going to sit at home and uh, chill out and then uh, that's you know, when it gets off of that and then I'm going to try to not just use you know I know that um, it's going to be hard I mean I don't like to go to meetings you know because there's a bunch of fake ass people there I'm just going to try it on my own again, you know. Um, can I say something about uh, why I'm on heroin at this late date in my life? Please. Because I got in a bad car accident in 1998, December 19th, 1998. And I was in the hospital for like three and a half months, hospital, nursing home. And um, I got, um, I was in real bad pain, which I am today. I got a bunch of hardware in my hip. I, my, I got fused uh, vertebrae together. You know, I have sciatica. I, I have a, a lot of uh, pain issues, but um, I can't find a doctor that will give me anything for pain because I'm an addict, you know? And that's what uh, really has me at the tail end of this heroin thing because I know I can go get it on the street, you know? You don't want to give me my pills? I'll just go on the street and get some dope, you know? So it's out of desperation. Yeah, kind of, you know? Uh, like I was telling you before, I have two nephews that died to this uh, this disease, and uh, uh, I kind of feel responsible somewhat for their deaths. Did you use with them? Oh, I used with them. Matter of fact, my nephew died at the house I was living in. Hmm. But that's another story. I mean, he would he did he. I don't know exactly how he died. He was downstairs with my woman, and I was upstairs sleeping, and I could hear him talking. I don't know if they did any dope or if he had a heart attack. He had, he was just getting ready to go in the hospital for something with his uh, ribs. Uh, so he had some uh, medical issues. I don't know if it exactly was a ribs, but he had some medical issues that he was just going to the hospital um, two days after he passed away. <clears throat> but uh, <clears throat> I feel kind of responsible for their lives. I mean, I didn't start um, them guys on it, you know, but I used with them. Sure. You yeah. Know? Um, Ray, let me shift gears here and ask okay. uh, another question. So over the course of the past year and a half, fentanyl has come into this area quite heavily. Sure. Uh, heroin that's laced with fentanyl. And, uh, and now carfentanil, which is even more potent. Yes, I've seen it on the news. A lot of people are dying out there. Uh, yeah, yeah, so the question is, when you find out that um, heroin laced with fentanyl or carfentanil is coming from a particular area slash particular dealer, are you drawn to that stuff to get the more potent stuff or away from it for fear of dying? Um... Rick, what kind of answer can you give? I, I, I mean, would say to it. You're drawn to it. I want to know where it's at. I want some. 
You want that. Yeah. Why? You could die. Why? I don't... Dying isn't a factor with me. I don't care. Why not? Why isn't that a factor? I I don't care if I die. I'm not living the life of grandeur. I live on $800 a month. You know? My life isn't... It doesn't matter to me if I die or not. Tell you the God's honest truth. It doesn't matter. But I'm drawn to that. I want to know where it's at. I haven't seen any. The people that I know, they don't have that. You know, if it's so prevalent, where the hell is it at? I want to know. So that's not your feeling, though, Ray. What towards a more potent uh, drug? If I you see yeah. it, if I know. Uh, yeah. Here, to be honest with you, I don't know what's in it when I use it. I'm you not even know. sure. Sure, I could drop that if I do too powerful of a shot. You know. So let me ask a tough question. Where does it end? Huh. Good question. I'm, um, it's got to end. It's no, it's no way of, of living. It's a dead end. It's a dead end, yeah. I mean, like I said earlier, I burned a lot of bridges with everybody. It will take everything you have. Yeah. All your money. I mean, you, you won't be able to... Uh, you don't want to uh, spend any money on a pair of shoes, even. You know? I've been wearing the same pants for I haven't bought a pair of pants new pants and I couldn't tell you how long I mean you know because I spend every dime that I get I make sure I pay my rent I make sure I got food after that well my phone too I make sure I got the phone after that I spend every dime I have and every <coughs> moment I get on it so wow. any final thoughts for the people listening out there, any final words, perhaps, of wisdom to caution them to avoid going down this road, maybe? Yeah, I don't, I don't know what the answer is. All I know is these doctors that uh, were giving up pain pills, you know, pain management, and then they just stopped. You know, oh, we can't write it no more. Whether you need it, or not and they just stopped and that just pushed everybody to the street yeah to get some opiates on the street but my words of wisdom is stop no matter what if you don't stop you're either gonna die or you're gonna end up like me simple as and that how is that how would you uh Doing a little bit of dope every day, living on uh, $800 a month, and just surviving. Uh-huh. Ray, um, last comments from you? Um, I mean, if a person's got an uh, addiction problem with heroin, uh, you got to go seek some kind of treatment, uh, detox, rehab. And, uh, you know, they say people, places, and things, you know. Absolutely. Um, got to change everything. Yeah, you got to change everything in your life, right? Um, I'm, uh, maybe I need rehab. I'm gonna, I, I talked to a, a friend of mine the other day. <coughs> he runs maybe. a rehab program. And uh, I'm not sure what I'm going to do, but I just can't keep living like this anymore. It's a dead end. Well, I tell you, I would be uh, delighted to do anything that we can do to help you. I know Chico 
And Roger would be more than happy to help. Gentlemen, I know you were in a hurry. When I grabbed you, I really appreciate your okay, time great. today. Rick, I wish you the best. I hope I great. I, I, I really I wish you the best. I've wow. used on and off heroin since I was 18, which was about 2006, 2005, 2006. Okay, so we're talking about 10 years? Yeah. Is that right? 11, 10 Give years. Take. Yeah. Um, IV-wise, probably about seven or eight. Seven or eight. Of those years, yeah. Okay, wow. So how did you happen to end up there using? Um, realistically, it was, um, I was already smoking pot and, you know, experimenting with other drugs in high school. and. I had an issue going on with a, a relationship that I had with a female, and she kind of um, took advantage of me and my family, and the drug was there. It was presented to me. I didn't go looking for heroin or opiates, and um, somebody offered it to me, and I turned them down because I thought you could only use it IV, and then he explained it to me and persuaded me that I could snort it, and I tried it and fell in love with it. Yeah, it was, it was like one of those things where, you know, your chemical balance in your brain just liked it, you know? Yeah. So, so tell us about a day in your life. Um, I wake up, like just as like recent, recently, like a day today. Like now. I wake up. Um, you look really clean cut, by the way. You probably work out. Yeah, I tried to. I tried it. Um, I just got over a MRSA infection from... Um, it was in my spine from from IV drug use. So I have six months sober, and then uh, really healthy. And then for that, for that, yeah. My, the only reason I went back out, and I, and we could find a reason for using it, you know, any day, even if the sun's shining, you know, I could say I'm going to get high. Yeah. yeah. So you're saying, and also generally, you know, as a generalization, we addicts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just in general, we can find an excuse to get high over anything. And uh, I relapsed for over six months of sobriety because my son was taken out of my life. And that's, he's two years, two years old, so. And it, it was rough, you know, I wasn't expecting it, so. And why did that happen? I exposed the fact that his mother was lying and she started doing, uh, she started dancing again and, um, yeah, stripper. And, uh, she's clean, supposedly, and she's just been lying and she was cheating on me and I found all these things out and when I exposed it all to her, her retaliation was this. And she, you know how how went up in Ohio, the way it is with domestics, domestic violence or any kind of... The issues of, of domestic violence. Well, threatening, more or less. There was no ever violence, like physical violence, mm, okay. between me and my son or me and her. So you, you were threatening her. Suppose, yeah, it was. She wrote it. Once you write it down or say it, the police automatically take a female side, and that's just the way it is. You know, until you prove yourself innocent. But I don't have the money for lawyers and shit like that. So, uh, so you had a public defender. There. Yeah, pretty much. And, um, I mean, a basic day for me is, you know, I, whether if I have stuff to wake up to, I'm, I'm either sick or I'm not, and I wake up, and I usually, I'm dope sick, and I try to figure out how to get on with my day, and, uh... How do you typically do that? So um, I've cut a lot of the illegal activities out of my life, because I'm not trying to do thefts and go back to jail for, for stupid stuff anymore. I mean, I can deal with it. Yeah, I've been to prison and jail, and, and it's just it's just unnecessary. 
when I can deal with a dope sickness or a, a withdrawal and I can go cut somebody's grass for $20, you know what I'm saying, mm -hmm. for an hour of my life yeah. instead of go steal from a store. Yeah. You know, it's it's a lot easier to do that. Than so how much money does it take to support your habit on a daily basis? I can, I can, I can go with $20 a day and if I have enough, I could spend up to 80. Okay, know. and that's how many uses, just on average. Um, how many times I actually use? Yeah, um, in a day. Anywhere from one to maybe six. Okay. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Depending upon potency or potency, how's... right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Potency, availability, all that. Stuff, yeah. You know. So speaking of potency, let's talk about that just a little bit about the the stuff that's out there that's <laughs> cut with fentanyl, car fentanyl, that type of thing. So what's your feelings on that? When you find that that's, you know, uh, a dealer, if you will, has that available, that's cut, that's high potency, does that draw you to it or away from it? Away from it. Because I was, I, I started using before any of this was ever in, involved in, in heroin. Yeah. When I was 18, it was, you know, the way heroin was sold. It was just cut with the basics it wasn't cut with all this other stuff killing what's, people what's the basics i mean like, you know you got yeah, your vitamins and and your your it's just basic stuff you can get it at a drugstore you know okay you know to just filter it out or you know yeah. you know basically make it stretch got it and nothing nothing lethal let's just put it that way yeah and the, the fentanyl stuff i mean i can tell i know the difference between them when i can i mean you do? Yeah, I mean, you got heroin I mean, on the street now that's pink and, and, and red, and it, the heroin doesn't come in colors, you know what I mean? And, mm. and I've never seen stuff like that before, but then when I use it, you can tell by, in the spoon, when you prepare it, you can tell the difference between dopes. There's this crisp, it looks almost like sugar before it dissolves in water. As opposed to heroin, how should it look? It just—it's supposed to break down clearly, you know, like just soluble, water soluble, you know, okay. clear, like a color, like a tannish brown water. Uh huh. But it's not supposed to have these crystals floating. Crystals floating yeah. around. No. So that tells you right away it's bad. when you look at that. Even yeah. if you the, the, you don't know the dealer, you don't know the source, so you start and you check it out and you see the floaties and then you know. Uh, yeah. Either well, I mean, if I'm sick, I'm gonna use it, but I'm gonna cut myself back. I'm not gonna use a lot because I know it's gonna be. Oh, bad. you still use it. Yeah. But right. now that's a trigger. You know. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I've used fentanyl since I've been using again. I've used it probably within the last since it's been out on the street. I've I've used it on and off. I've had to, you know, just because yeah. maybe that was the only available thing out there, you know. Huh. And so, how far back do you cut it? Because it's you know, isn't it 500 times stronger than heroin? It's something like that. I couldn't yeah. even tell you. You know, yeah, that's yeah. schematics that I don't, <laughs> I have no right, idea. Right. But I mean, you know that it's much more potent. Yeah, I and would so say. so you cut your standard dose. If your right. standard dose is X. I do, if I do a half? $20 shot, which, you know, is like a point, point, a tenth of a gram, mm -hmm. I do probably maybe a, th a third of a gram, a third of a tenth. You okay. know what I mean? Yeah, you know, a yeah, quarter yeah. of a tenth, so something like that. So you cut it down to a third Extreme or a amount, quarter right. of what you normally would. Because you can always do more. You can never yeah. do, you can't do less once so it's in your blood. isn't there some kind of a downside to that in terms of, you know, not doing the, that, you know, having to do more? Uh, I don't know. Well, yeah, it's, it's, maybe... it's a pain to have to, 
if you don't do enough, then you have to go back and do more and do more. And then you're kind of just, but it's, why not play it safe? Then kill right. yourself. Because okay. you've got people out here that shoot half gram shots at once, which is $80 of heroin in a needle in one shot. And that's absolutely absurd. It's like, what are you doing that for? Hmm. I've, like I told you, I've used it for 11 years and I've never done that once. Yeah. Never. I've never used that much heroin once in my life. So, have you thought about going into treatment? I, I actually have been in and out, yes. Okay. And I, I have had periods of sobriety. It's just, there are certain things happen in your life that, you know, as addicts, like I told you, we can make excuses for. We don't know how to deal with yeah. certain things, and it's just easy to go back to it. It's, it's your go-to. For 10, 11 years, it's my go-to. If something happens in my life that I don't know how to deal with, and I don't have the right tools to back myself up with, or just say, hey, I'd rather get high over it, mm -hmm. you know, and that's a choice I made. Those are things that happen in my life, you know. It's, How well do you know these guys? I know Chico. Chico? Um, okay. Mainly, Roger. yeah. I see Roger once in a while, but I talk yeah. to Chico a lot, okay. yeah. Okay, so you're aware of all the resources that Def they oh, have, yeah. that, that they can just hook you up with? I you know, just got out of Stella Maris Detox, actually, and I relapsed again, and, you know, that's just... They, it's because of treatment. Inpatient treatment centers are so packed right now for, for men. The waiting lists are at least 40, 50 plus just to get in the door after detox. Even if you sit in detox and wait, they're kicking you out of detox because detoxes are full. They're, they need to get people into detox to get clean because there's a waiting list for that. It's, a, it's absolutely insane because of the epidemic because of the fact it's getting colder out now also a lot of people run to rehabs because they don't have anywhere else to go or jail they, people like to go to jail because it's somewhere to, to live it's three hots in a cot you know what I'm saying mm -hmm. that's just the way it's the way it is wow. it's the time of the year <laughs> never thought of it that way yeah and then the epidemic is just putting more to it so it's, it's really hard for people to get clean but this is the only place in um I can't even tell you where where you can get free treatment without paying a single dime. I I, I, I don't know anywhere else. Yeah. I, I can go where I can actually go into a treatment facility and not pay a dime. So when you look down the road, what do you see? I can't I can't say. I really don't know. I I, I say that I I see myself as being a father, as continually building my responsibilities up. Hopefully building myself back up to to sustain sobriety for a lengthy period of time if not the rest of my life but I can't that's future telling I can't tell you I'm gonna be sober for the rest of my life I can't sit here and tell you I'm never gonna get high again because that, that, that when I say those types of things in the past I've always it's, it's always been bad for me yeah because you know you tell yourself you're not gonna do something then you want to do it sure <laughs> it's just sure. the way it is you know my question to you is are you constantly going back to the same that's what I did right out of, out of detox I did do that right out of detox I went back to the same people I called my sponsor but he was at a retreat and I um, after that I was just kind of unwilling to uh, do anything else I really wanted to see him and him only mm -hmm. and uh, I made that as a reservation I guess and I set myself up for failure <laughs> Thank you for joining us for this series of podcasts. My name is Greg McNeil. I'm the founder of Cover Two Resources. And thank you for listening.
Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Cover 2 Resources podcast. This episode is a production of Cover 2 Resources and is made possible by listeners like you. With your support, the Cover 2 team can continue to research and broadcast these resources to others in need. If you'd like to donate or to sponsor a future podcast, please visit cover2.org. As always, thank you for listening. Together, we can make a difference in the opioid epidemic, one life at a time.